Welcome to this uh, Tenego Partnering webinar in Partnering Enabling the Giants. The scenario here is did you have some engagement with a large uh, global uh, vendor or system integrator, some engagement at some level, and then how do we build on that relationship into maybe a more fruitful relationship, more fruitful revenue-wise, more fruitful marketing, market reach, and so on. There's many different scenarios we can cover in this. There's many different types of partners, many different types of technology companies. So we are coming at this from a very general point of view. So prior to the webinar, we've had some people coming in with questions that like addressed, and thank you for those. And we will cover these as we go through the session. My name is Donna Kiernan. I'm the founder and CEO of Tenego Partnering. I'm a techie by background and then realized on a bad day that I was a sales guy. And since then, since this was October 98 or so, I've been very active in solution sales. And then in creating Tenego is to help technology companies build their businesses internationally through sales channels. Very brief introduction of Tenego. So in Tenego, we help software companies build and manage sales channels internationally. So it's all over the world, sales channels, software companies, partnering with maybe system integrators, resellers, value-added resellers, distributors, other vendors, whatever types of companies that helps them sell their product in various markets. And behind this, we do this in executive hands-on fashion as part of our client's team, and we have a range of other skills and capabilities in supporting that activity. Our clients tend to be, I would say, beyond early stage growing technology companies up to established software businesses. And in this, kind of, they understand who the customer is very clearly. They understand what it takes to sell and deliver into these companies. They understand what works. And it's with that, we capture that and we help them accelerate their businesses in growing their market presence, their market reach and capabilities internationally. We operate according to very defined methodologies, methodologies that have been used in a large number of projects a number of years at this point. And the benefit to our clients in this is about optimizing your time. It's about understanding very clearly what information we need, understand every time we bring you into a meeting or engage with you or engage with a partner, we understand why and we understand what information we need to gather there to validate, to move forward and to make the process more effective time-wise and overall efficiency-wise in delivering results. We have executed globally. We have executed on every continent, not quite every country, on partner recruitment projects and partner management. We have a growing global network of Tenego offices, offices on the ground. Ireland's our HQ, but UK, Germany, Netherlands, Greece, the Middle East, Australia, Asia, PAC, Canada, US East Coast and in discussions which to broaden our reach on the ground presence. On the ground presence gives us extra capability in those regions, but also within the sectors that the broadening team is bringing to the table also. The topic of the day, partner enabling the giants. Put this in context. Initial relationship with a global player, how do you build on that relationship to take it forward? My tone throughout this is always with sort of a little bit of caution because even though it can bring great promise, it can be very challenging if you're not ready for it. It can be a great cost of your time if you're not right for it. And, so, and I want to highlight a number of those things as we go through these. The first thing, we'll start with that caution. And we start sort of understanding people's motivations in partnering with a global player. It's all about sort of, yes, there's the prestige 
but we're going beyond the prestige. We're interested in revenues and what's the fast way to get to those revenues. And in always looking at what the opportunity is, what are the alternatives? And always baselining, evaluating, benchmarking what you're doing with a global player against the alternatives and practical way to get to the same results. It's not about the, the style, the faults. It's about how it is. It's about what the revenues you can get through. And thus the, the grandmother quote. The global opportunity, right? So I have fit a couple of maps here of the global reach, a couple of the large global system integrators. So it's so Accenture, you see they're, they're everywhere practically. Deloitte, kind of KPMG. Again, very, very large global presence. And so the promise and the global opportunity for a strong solution company is how do I get my product into each one of these markets? I have a great product, I've proven it, but how do I convince these global players to carry my solution, generate service revenue for them maybe, kind of generate value for their customers and sell that solution in the marketplace. And that's the promise, that's the opportunity, that's the attraction, sometimes glossy, because we always like to see Accenture on our customer list and our partner list. It's a big name, it should mean something, mean something in revenue. Coming back to the point of caution and a few things here, you have a core business that's working already you have a business engine that is working already whether it's direct sales or whether it's through existing partner types now when you understand what's working how do you build on that core business incrementally without damaging the core business with different revenue streams and different sources and this is what we achieve for clients in Tenego in recruiting partners that fit neatly into the existing business engine now whether you're going into the market fresh or you're going into for partners or customers, it's all about your value proposition. So you have that initial engagement with a global partner. The value proposition you brought to the table with that initial relationship, whether it's a region or wherever it may be, how does that carry globally? The partner value proposition you bring at one level, how do you shape that value proposition internally within that global partner to make it carry into multiple regions? And we'll talk more on that. The core factor in scaling the business is around customer value proposition, getting through the noise of the competition, the noise of the competition within the marketplace, the noise of the competition within a large partner. So there's many up, there's say, many oppositions, say, many competitive forces working against you. It could be through direct competitors or the solutions, but also internal forces within the large partner that's working to get you. And how do you get through? all of that. What is your current status with that partner? So you maybe have advanced discussions. You may be talking to very senior individuals and they seem to be in a position of decision-making and you're through a process there and it's looking really good. You may not have engaged the market yet. You may be at that point. You may have a single project. You may have won it through a tender process or they brought you in an immediate opportunity to selected you as the best option to help them deliver on in a particular marketplace. They only have you there for one project right now. It's always with promise when you get the big player at the table. You may have the partner already winning deals kind of with support of that local champion and they're seeking to expand the region. You may have a pipeline of opportunities coming through. You may have some customers come through, but then you want to expand the regions because it is working currently. And now they want to take it to the next step. A technology partner, yes. So if you have a certified integrated solution, approved that technology partner. Maybe some local champions are introducing you into projects on their core solution sales. How do you take that one further? Again, you may be fitting the needs of one market for a global system integrator, for example, 
and you're helping to meet the needs of that local business leader in generating more service revenue for their business. Does that proposition fit on a global level? Let's discuss. So that is the current status. Now, I'm going to uh, just give a summary of a previous webinar on whether to go partner with the big boys or the giants. And this is the summary slide from a previous webinar on partnering with the big boys. First of all, whatever got you at the table right now, did you have something special that's of interest to these software giants? Is it something that can carry into a global sphere? Is it something that kind of you have the right proposition and you have the right capabilities? So it's not just about what you can sell to the customer. Your whole company and how you work needs to fit. That's all, that's going to fit with that global business. So you need to have a solution and a proposition that fits with the large companies, especially when you think about the customers that are going after and the needs of those customers. You need to be ready. You need to have the scope to invest the right time and money kind of to get that chance of success. And it may be a limited chance of success. The global system integrators are easier than the global vendors, but you have to be aware of it's still an effort. And there's still a lot of the right place at the right time involved in making these things work. I would always argue that tier twos are faster and less risk, but we'll come back to that again. And there are many alternatives. So as I mentioned, you may have a big opportunity with a global player, always benchmark in your own mind against what are the alternative ways to get the same success, the same revenue. I want to highlight some key steps that we'll discuss through. And as always, whether large or small companies, this is really sort of some key steps engaging with the partner. So first of all, understanding the partner's business. So in Tenego, we put great emphasis on partner fit. And that's really what we're getting down to understand the partner's business. Understanding your opportunity with that partner, understanding what's the opportunity on the table right now and how you might progress it. Equally, understanding the investment in chasing that opportunity, understanding what you're willing to put on the table, what you're willing to risk, and then understanding the various risks that can come forward on these projects. And then what's your plan and how do you manage that plan? Because you may not be in control of that plan as opportunities come along, but we'll talk through those. So first thing, understanding your global partner. Now, first point in engaging any partner is they are dealing with your type of customer. In your type of customer, what's the deal size and the deal mix? So if you're selling a solution level we say at one point, let's say if a $50,000 per annum deal, is that of interest to a global partner? So understand what deals they're currently doing and the deal mix. So the deal mix, if they're selling a 50,000 license, are they getting 50, 100, 250,000 on services in that year? Now, that's a very compelling proposition because that's generating good service revenue and the system integrator are driven by such. If it's a vendor, then how is it helping them? They may not be interested in the revenue share of your license. They're interested in what business it generates for them further. Less interested in the revenue share, I would say. Be clear on the target customers. If they're a large global system integrator, they're chasing the largest companies in the world. Is that your target? Kind of then of the company types and the needs of those customers. So whatever level you're at within these organizations, are they chasing the relevant business application areas that you might have? Are they chasing the right decision makers and so on? And just to understand you know, what they're doing right now and then how do you build on that? How do they win your type of customer business? So in your experience today within your business, how do you win business? What marketing efforts, what sales efforts, what events did you go to? 
what routes does that interest, do the interest come through for you to progress on? And then to understand how the partner works. Can you bring them business? They're always likely if you bring business, but you want to you want to get business from them as well. What are the other vendors? Who are the other vendors and how do they work with the, kind of the, the large partner? And understand sort of the deal sizes they're getting, the deal mix, the support services they're providing in marketing and sales, you know, the support they're providing in delivering solutions and so on, all through the life cycle of a business opportunity. What is your, the relationship with your champion? What is uh, their position, their role responsibilities? What is their metrics of success? What makes them look good or progress according to their plan? How do you make them look good? How do you make them succeed by and also by reducing risks? How do we align with global sales teams? So I'm not clear on the full scenario here, but take it that you have a solution that's working with maybe a regional sales team. And it's a good point in that question on thinking about the salespeople rather than that just the business leaders in the region. How do you align a global sales team? So if we understand what the needs are with the regional sales team, in understanding the partner, what are their needs to, with or maybe other regions? First of all, if it's a particular customer type, do they have a central practice for that customer type? And I'm going to bring up an example within a past project where, where our client had a good solution, good compelling solution where there was maybe 100k worth of licenses and 300k worth of services per annum uh, for the partner. So good, compelling proposition for two global players. We're working with five global players for them. The difference between two different ones, right? So one had a, a global central practice in that business area, and therefore it was a single point of contact, if you like, to work through that global organization for that type of customer and that type of business. And then they had relationships throughout their own internal organization globally, win business and deliver business through that central practice. And that made it much easier to work with that partner. On the other hand, there was another large uh, global system integrator that didn't have the same central practice and they were still maybe investigating this business area. They had good revenue coming through for our client and good projects coming through, but it's almost like each market, the relationships had to be built up independently. And even though we were working back through a champion, we had to continue to nurture the relationships in multiple regions. Now, I tell you, in that scenario, the global partner with the central practice acquired our client, where they had a clear business line on building the business. But I want to come back to that to maybe some of the risks in that scenario again. Understanding and managing the opportunities. So if you take the current plan, in that current plan, what is your champion stating is, say, maybe their expectations out of the relationship, their expectations out of the marketplace? Is it on the basis that if an opportunity comes along, that we'll talk to you? Is it on the basis that they've got their marketing teams, maybe their sales teams, constantly engaging the market or existing customers with this possible opportunity of selling your solution? So what is the current plan? What's the pace of that current plan? And then how do you assess kind of your investment and support and possible outcomes on that current plan? And then how do you go about uh, changing that? What are the competition, the concerns, the challenges in progressing beyond that? And you may get ahead of yourself a little on yes, pushing forward to more when you haven't really proven yourself within your champion's mind at this point. So you need to understand clearly kind of what are they risking in taking you further? They're not going to risk their careers kind of based on your solution if they have certain pushbacks in the greater organization. So if you've proven yourself very well and you've shown clearly how you can beat the competition externally and internally. 
because some other part of the world, there may be a similar company like yours with a similar strong champion in those regions. And can you coexist? It's always an easier path if you can coexist and maybe ultimately win out somewhere along the line. But understand how do you manage the risks in progressing. In managing the global partner plans, right, so where the opportunity, they, they will respond to market opportunities. If you can help them create those market opportunities with other efforts and feeding the opportunity back to them, it helps accelerate the plans. In understanding what their plans are and doing stuff on your own right, it does help kind of move it forward. But as I say, kind of understand the business first, understand their intentions and risks going forward then, and how do you shape a plan of commitment through that. And then what are you willing to invest? So again, be clear, it may not be a clear plot to winning. When I talk to these, I think of the opportunity of a vendor company working with a large global system integrator. But as I outlined earlier, there are many different scenarios in here than what are the ways of progressing. So be clear about kind of with that opportunity on the table, what are you willing to invest in your time, your company's time overall, and money? When are you expecting a return on some of that investment and effort? And as I said earlier, always benchmark against alternatives and maybe even have alternatives running as a contingency so you understand to balance your effort across the various opportunities. Again, if, if it is a global system integrator, they typically operate on a project by project basis. In certain situations, they have initiatives, got the new solution areas or customer needs. And, and again, next level up from that, they may have clear central business practices focused on a particular business areas. And then that makes it clear they have a need that you can help them solve. But whether it's you they're going to work with on a global basis, that is the challenge. Getting away from the system integrator. So I have a question here from a technology company that is in the Microsoft marketplace. So I have a cloud solution technology integration with a large global vendor. So if I take them in the, the same technology partnerships, can you leverage technology partnerships into multiple regions and multiple sales? So if you have a solution that's integrated with say, Microsoft Azure, for example, and it's an application area, Microsoft they may not have much competition in that area. Microsoft do have sort of matrix type structure. They do have supports on the business development. They do have very strong supports in helping sort of their VARs or value-added resellers work with other value-added resellers that drives adoption of their platforms. And Azure, just in that example. If it's in the Microsoft Dynamics marketplace, yes, you can have your application built on Dynamics. It is a marketplace. It is a means of, again, value proposition starting to show up on that side of it. On the other one with the technology integration. So you've integrated your product within a large uh, vendor solution. You've added value into your solution by doing so. I would say it's sort of, you may have a two-step process here. You may not get the attention of the large vendor easily, but you may get the attention of their partners easier. And their partners, their system integrated partners, for example, and if they may have their need, a need or their customers may have a need for your solution that's integrated with the large vendor solution. And that's an easier, closer to the market's path than going to the vendor themselves. And once you've proven that path with maybe a local system integrator or many of them on multiple occasions, that might work back to a central global initiative working out through all their channels. There's a two tier approach on this. And I, I believe so working through their partners will be a less risky path to proving it over the longer term. If you have a strong enough proposition, go straight to the top, which comes back to another question. An expanding relationship, should we creep market by market, region by region, or we go to the top? 
It depends on how strong the proposition is. It depends on how ready you are to take on such an opportunity. Being ambitious is not enough. You could be risking a great amount and understanding what the opportunity is, but we will address that in managing risks. The, the image in here is, the image here, you are playing with fire. It can work to your advantage, but there are many risks involved in doing this. In managing the pace and managing the risk, and don't defocus your current sales engine. And I'm going to go straight to an example of a client's business. So a company of about say, 20, 25 million revenue, very strong proposition globally, very niche globally on Gartner, Forrester, Quadrants and all that. Partner with very, very large vendor companies selling into other sectors. This large, uh, the opportunity was with a global sales conference of all their salespeople all over the world, 1,500 salespeople were coming together and this vendor partner of the 25 million revenue company was going to be launched at this. So the risk in this, as we sought to manage, we narrowed the proposition down to very clear customer type in a very serious solution area to down to relevant 50 salespeople. That 50 salespeople put a huge demand, when it launched, put a huge demand on our client's company's sales organization and the response to sales opportunities. So it highlighted a risk that say, they just weren't ready for 50 salespeople's demands. So obviously the market was screaming for this but they weren't ready for the demand it created. And ultimately, the, the, our client company suffered maybe one bad quarter, if not two, as a result of diverting the attention of their sales support teams and so on. And that's, that's just one risk. And I highlight not to focus your current sales engine. So it is about managing the pace, but sometimes it can be difficult to do that because if the opportunity comes along, you will respond. And thus, demand's getting too great. So it's it's, it's hard not to respond when the big opportunity comes knocking, right? Because if you say no once, it mightn't come back. And that's always on the mind, but it can just suck you in. Overdependence on one revenue stream. When it works, when it works and the revenue start to come through, your entire organization may start to divert or a core part of the organization may start to divert to supporting that revenue stream. In some cases, that is great. But then as you progress further, other risks emerge and thus getting too big for your boots. Now, there are a few things I want to highlight here. And again, I just come back to another client project where in the scenario that things were working very well, the company were getting bigger opportunities. Yes, so you went from a one size of client opportunity, maybe up to maybe from 250,000 revenue per opportunity up to a million revenue. But once you go up a level, you are starting to encounter different competitors. You are getting on a radar within that large global organization at a different level. And you may be awakening a giant competitor. They may do different things to shut you out. The other thing too is in this, is the opportunity gets too great. There's a positive in this that I've seen some of our clients being acquired by those partners because say, they're only creating value within the vendor, in their partner companies. They want to create the value for themselves. Just to buy them now and then accelerate sales. But equally, they may acquire a competitor solution. Then, therefore, you're basically you've been worked out if you had over-dependence on that revenue. So again, if there's good and bad in this. It, this is the competitive nature in, in any market. It's just to be aware of the different opportunities and challenges in that. Some partners, particularly um, Microsoft, for example, they have a policy of rotating decision makers. It may take 18 months to build up a relationship at a global level and then to find that your contact has moved on. And you see this a number of occasions, some of the large uh, companies, when you try to work from a central point of view, where regionally they, they may not change as often. And again, internal politics, as it changes, as the organization changes, may change as well. So strategies change, decisions change, so you become less and more relevant 
as things move. This one here, we have an innovative solution. How do we get adoption? So innovative solution, a few things, it sounds like your company, it's an early stage company, right? So you are looking for an early adopter market. Large global system integrators don't like taking risks. Basically, the decision maker executive level don't want to take a risk unless you're solving a very clear need. It may be a slow build, getting opportunity in there, maybe proof of concept or so, but adoption on an innovative solution, innovative spells risk. If it meets a need in the marketplace, you're going to be there, but manage the risks. How do we assess existing partners? Who will be most successful for us? This comes back to something we do in Tenego a lot is around partner fit. Partner fit for existing partners, understanding the market engagement, proactive market engagement, understanding the pace of their business, understanding where you fit within that pace, the regular rhythm of their business, and define sort of kind of how many opportunities you might show them, thus helping you understand what success means and what support in delivering on that success means. Can I just talk through other example projects, right? So this one here, so conceptually it was right. Uh, the champion was on board. Uh, There's some small things wrong, but they had very good relationships with the champions and they thought the relationship would fix. Two years later, they stopped trying. Uh, that's one example. Another one was kind of it was a company that was four years engaging with a very large uh, partner. They had some business through it, but it was a lot of effort. And when the, the challenge there, kind of those two examples, kind of when you start looking at the real partner fit, why will it work? As opposed to what are the barriers to making it work? If you if it's a strain to make it work it probably may not be worth it. It may be some opportunities, but don't overinvest. The ideal scenario on partner fit is when you understand the partner's business and you can fit neatly into what they're doing currently. With some small changes, maybe, kind of that is most likely to work. If you're supporting them in the right place, it fits neatly into their business engine as they're currently doing it today. If you're asking the partner to change, there's great risk in that. Changing them at a regional level based on relationship, that is good. Uh, that can work but relationships don't travel. It's very hard to build a scalable business based on creating relationships everywhere. It, it, so it's finding where it fits, find the proposition to fit, find how it works, and then that would scale much easier. It's not always easy to find, but it is easy to assess. So the, the question of understanding the pace of business, which ones are right or wrong, it really is back to the partner fit. I always sort of measure it against the alternatives. So I want to discuss a few points on the global companies versus the tier twos, we call them. So the, the alternative options. And, and there's various types of these depending on your scenario. So firstly, the access to decision makers. So in Tenego, we're regularly asked, do we know senior decision makers in large global system integrators or other channels for that market? And, and when the answer is, well, yeah, we do, but that might make a difference. Yes, we can validate propositions with very senior decision makers, but you have to think about who are the decision makers in a global company? And then who are the decision makers within sort of the tier two companies? The tier twos are simpler organizations. The decision making process and structure is much simpler. Be able to get decisions, it happens faster. You know whether you're going down the right path faster on tier twos than you do with the global. Yes, the opportunity is much bigger with the global. Faster decision means faster learning process of what works. I'm always in favor of that. Again, if you have a solution that fits and a proposition that fits the big guys, that's great. The compelling partner proposition. Again, the scenario I give of one particular client, 100K worth of license revenue delivers, enables service revenue of maybe 300 to a half a million. That's a strong service driven partner proposition. That's good for the system integrators. A strong partner proposition will carry internally in a global organization because even the regional leaders 
sales driven or otherwise are going to respond to a strong proposition that's going to generate revenue for them. Again, finding that say, is not always easy, but it can be done. Time to engagement. As I mentioned here, access to the decision maker, getting that decision and getting engagement in the marketplace. Time to engagement. That bit, again, if you have a clear decision path, I've come across some very large global system integrators or it's vendors and when you ask them their process of onboarding partners and there's one picked company I won't mention very large very traditional company in many sense but their decision to onboard new solutions was with five people and the process of doing so was maybe two to three months the rollout plan was very clear how did it all very clear for a global company it was great to see it to centralize that decision process it, that was a rarity and most of the decision processes are rarely centralized in these companies and often difficult. And the reality is uh, it's a very, very competitive. There's so many companies trying to target these global companies and getting decisions and getting action takes a long time. A big thing, again, back to one of the questions earlier about aligning sales teams. Some people just don't think that getting a partnership with a global player means I'm going to instantly roll out. But you have to think about uh, the multiple motivations, if it was, within those companies. Yeah, you have the regional sales leader, the regional champion, of say, they have their Dale sales team and what makes them work. But then how do you get into the head of a salesperson at the other end of the world. They've got a portfolio of products to meet their targets. They've got driven demands from the marketplace and from their bosses, from their sales schedules and so on, and what they do. Mind share is the bit here. The large guys have a very large portfolio. The smaller guys tend to be more niche, more focused. And until they can, if they all wanna grow, fine, and therefore they have to diversify, and thus the portfolio size increases. But the more niche and more focus is always in my favor. And when you go to execute in a project, it's easier to find fit if they're in the right niche, if you solve a solution for, for them, solve a problem for them. Understanding the competition, the competition to get that decision, the competition for the partner's attention, the competition for the customer's attention. What type of competition are they? How many are they? What size are they? Can you compete? Again, the proposition and how you beat the competition, they're the two key points, again, in the marketplace and internally within the global partner. The tier twos, it's clearer to identify. Again, you get you understand sooner whether it's working or not, therefore less risk overall on the investment. And then the people and relationships, um, there's less people involved in a tier two. There's less relationships to be built. Again, with a clear proposition, you can assess which partners you should invest in relationships with, as opposed to, uh, kind of, yes, I have a list of names in large vendors or system integrated companies that I want to go talk to. If I only get talking to them, and if they'll see what we got, that is costly. That takes time. If they can't tell that your business fits by looking at your proposition or what you presented them on a few slides, it's an effort to make it through. So it's always a good investment to continue to develop the proposition and what you do for your customers and for your partners. Another question, do we have a recommendation on how to build a joint value proposition? So that's a good one. So thanks for that, Bill. The joint value proposition. So clearly the value of the partnership, if you have got a proposition in what you offer, the partner has capabilities to bring to the table. So yes, if it's a global player, they have global reach. They've got a brand. They've got a delivery, credibility, and capacity that can bring great kind of value to your proposition. Again, one of our client companies going into Japan, for example, partner with a very strong brand in the marketplace. So even though our client was investing a lot of the sales effort, they had 
a Fujitsu Siemens brand behind them on the delivery, or maybe a Hitachi Data Systems brand behind them on the delivery side. And that way it kind of open doors. I think it is, is important to understand kind of what the joint value proposition is. This is something that can be sort of developed as you're looking at to partner, what type of company should you partner with, understanding what are the gaps, what's going to make a difference in your business. And the different types of partners can bring different value to different stages of your process. I have another question. You have to make some upfront investment in development to go after tier twos, as well as global SIs, so the globals. That is absolutely the case, Bill. Um, so there is planning involved. So planning in understanding what type of companies make sense, the value you're bringing to the table, again, all in shaping that, that joint partner value proposition and the joint value proposition to the end customer. There is an analysis. It doesn't have to be significant. We believe in just enough analysis, if you could, in assessing what it takes to go to market and what the partners can bring the best value you can bring them, the best opportunity for the partner. I'll just go through the summary, right? So as you've seen, so understand the partner's business, understand the various stakeholders, understanding the level of which you're partnering right now, and can that champion really bring you to maybe a broad regional focus into a multiple regional focus, and understand the structure of the, the decisions in going more than one region or, or global if that's what it was, understanding how they do business, really understand that because it's only in that that you can actually figure out how to progress, what will work and what you should invest in. Understand your opportunity in there. It says, so again, assessing the pace of business and then how much you can support that in your investment. That And getting absorbed or following glossy things, basically, without a clear indication of success. Always benchmark. Always benchmark and manage your risk going forward. Measure against the alternatives. I'm going to just address one last question here. Is uh, how do I build from one market to the next? So again, related to the question, should we go creep one region to the next or go central? It depends on your stage of development, depending on what the opportunity is. If it's a vendor selling through a system integrator, sometimes there's regional decision-making and what solutions they sell because the market needs may be different. You need to assess what other markets have similar needs to where you are or needs for your solution and say, will your current regional champion refer you into those, but you should do the analysis first where the market need is and start to understand your partner's capabilities or needs in that space and do you have competition and so on. A bit of an evaluation, about say a bit of discussion internally in what can carry, but understanding the risks kind of uh, that you're you're asking of your champion, but understand the risks for yourself throughout that process. Covers all our questions today, but it's quite open for anything further. Thank you for the participation today. My name is Donny Kiernan, founder and CEO of Tenego. Uh, if you have any further questions following this session today, feel free to, uh, to contact us uh, by email or otherwise. This session here, it is recorded, so the recording will be available and the slides will be available. I thank you very much uh, for everyone joining us today. Do note on our website that we have a resources section of uh, previous recorded webinars and blogs and articles on various topics. But again, feel free to contact us any particular questions or information you're looking for. Thank you.